we're hoping that from learning from him, we'll be able to apply that into our lives. And uh, over the four weeks, one of the things that has really impressed me about his faith and really challenged me about his faith is, is its simplicity. He had a really simple faith. The way Abraham thought about things was a bit like this. I'm weak, I'm old, I haven't got much to offer, but God is God. God is great, God is all-powerful. And if God wants to do something, he can do it. And if God wants to use me to do something, he's God, he can do it. And that was it. That was the simplicity of his faith. And uh, we're going to see that again today. We're going to look at two stories. We're going to look at the birth of Isaac and the testing of Abraham. And uh, the way we're going to do this, I'm not going to read the stories from the, at the beginning. We're going to go through the stories as we go along, and I'll try and let you know where we are um, uh, by just clicking through. But if you're reading, uh, if you're going along in your Bibles, look for Genesis ch- chapter 21. And as we go through today, I want us to take three challenges on board. The first one is that on the journey of faith, we must remember and rejoice. The second challenge is, on the journey of faith, we must refuse to retire. And um, the third one is, on the journey of faith, we must remain in relationship. And what Pete brought earlier on, I just want you to have that in your head. When we get to remain in relationship, that's what we're going to be talking about. Let me pray and then we'll begin. Father God, we just, we come to you and acknowledge, we just, we feel like Abraham. Lord God, especially after what happened yesterday, yesterday, Lord, we look at it and we just feel so small, Lord, and so insignificant, and and this is who we are. But Lord, we just want to say we know who you are. We know that you're the sovereign king, the Lord of heaven, Lord God. And if you want to do something with us, even though we're weak, you can do it because you've got the authority and we trust in you. And I pray as we go through today, you would stir us to faith in you, to a life of faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so challenge one, remember and rejoice. So we've been on a bit of an exciting, epic journey with Abraham. In week one, Sarah Gailey looked at Genesis 12, the call of Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old. His wife, Sarah, was 65, and they came from a pagan nation. That simply meant they didn't worship the God of the Bible. And uh, Instead, they kind of worshipped idols that they had made themselves. And that for some reason, for God's own purposes, he decided to step into human history at that point. And he called Abraham, and he said to Abraham, I want you to leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. And Sarah talked about all the promises that God gave to Abraham as he did that. He said, I will give you children, I will make you into a great nation and all the peoples of the world will be blessed through you. What was Abraham's response? I'm, as, I'm old, I'm as good as dead. My wife's womb is as good as dead. But God is God. And if God wants to use me, then he can do that. And off he goes. Then in week two, Vic looked at Genesis 15, the Lord's covenant with Abraham. Abraham had been wandering with God, looking for where God was taking him for a while, and his faith was beginning to flag. He was thinking, God, all these promises, they're great, I love them, but we still haven't even had one child, so how how am I going to be a father to nations? 
And God uh, came to Abraham and spoke. And I don't know if you remember Vic's preach talking about the covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham. And in this covenant, God said to Abraham, get a whole load of different animals, cut them up, and put some on that side and some on that side. And as he did that, the presence of the Lord went between the animals. And at that point, God was making a covenant with, God, with uh, Abraham to say, everything I've promised, I will do. A covenant's like a promise, but kind of bigger um, in, and grander in that sense. It's a bit like when you, when you get married. Some people, are, there's a couple of couples in our church getting married over the next few months, which is really exciting. At the moment they're engaged, they've made a promise to each other. And then when they get married on their wedding day, they're going to make solemn vows before the church, before God, to each other. And that's a covenant they're making. So God's doing an extra special promise. Then last week, Dave looked at um, Genesis 16. And Abraham's now 65 and his wife Sarah is 75. And 10 years have gone since God originally gave the promise. And their faith is flagging again. This time, Abraham doesn't go to God to ask, what should I do? Or can you reaffirm the promise? Instead, he talks to his wife and they say, well, maybe, Abraham, maybe the promise was for you and it wasn't for, for, for um, Sarah. And so they decide that Abraham would go and sleep with her maid, uh, Hagar, and, um, and he, she gave birth to a son. But Dave's point was that wasn't God's plan. What that was is someone trying to circumnavigate God's plan. See, God had given the promise, but Abraham and Sarah were getting nervous because of the timing of the promise, and they had tried to work it out for themselves. And, and we're not to do that. God gives us promises. Our job isn't then to try and force the issue. It's to trust in God for them. And then we get, so that's what we've looked at so far, and then we get to Genesis 17. And now Abraham is 99 years old, and his wife is 89 years old. And God graciously, even though they've made this big mistake, he graciously comes and reaffirms his vision for them. He says, in verse seven, uh, chapter 17, verse 16, says, I will bless her and will surely give her a son. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, kings of people will come from her. And sure enough, one year later, Sarah gives birth to a baby boy. And uh, then we get to chapter 21, which says this, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised. Abraham gave him the name Isaac. He was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. The child grew up and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. On the journey of faith, we're to be people that remember and rejoice. Do you know, God always does what he promises. He always does what he promises. Often, the problem we have is the timing in which he's, he does those promises or he lets those promises come out. So uh, for Abraham, he got given a promise when he was 75. And Abraham trusted the promise. He, God can do anything. The problem he had was the time it took. That was what was giving him loads of worry. 
I had to wait 25 years to see even just a glimpse of the promise come about. He didn't even see the whole of the promise. He just saw a glimpse of it. In the Old Testament, God promises again and again that he's going to send a Messiah. They had to wait hundreds of years until Jesus was born. And when Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, he said, Behold, I am coming again soon. 2,017 years later, we're still waiting. So God always fulfills his promises, but the timings are often not what we're expecting. So the question then becomes, when God's given us a promise, what do we do while we wait? And the answer is, we remember and we rejoice. We remember the promises of God. Abraham went back to God again and again. Is this your promise for me? Yes, it is. God kept on reaffirming it. And then, when Abraham saw a glimpse of the promise, it wasn't the whole thing, but his son was born, his first son. He rejoiced. They had a great feast. And we're to be people that remember the promises of God and then rejoice when we see them come about. And every day you can have micro-celebrations. God promises that he will supply all your needs. So every time you sit at the table and you have a dinner, you can thank God. Actually, this is a part of the promises of God for me. Thank you, Lord, for this food. We have communion here on a, uh, quite regularly on a Sunday. And the reason we're doing that is because we want to remember what Jesus did in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And we want to celebrate what it means for us and for the rest of the world. And we don't want to give up that celebration. When people, get bat- um, when people get, um, become a Christian here, we baptize them. And sometimes people ask, why do we baptize people? Well, number one reason is Jesus said to do it and we want to obey him. But the other reason is we want to rejoice in what God's done. We want to recognize what God's done and we want to we let it build our faith for the future. So where Abraham saw one son, it gave him faith that actually God's promise for, I w- I'm going to have as many um, children as stars in the sky, it gave him faith for that. And as one person comes to know Jesus, we want to spend time celebrating, knowing that actually God has got hundreds and hundreds of people in London that he wants to meet. And it builds our faith. I think that's why testimonies are so important. If, you, if God does something in your life, if God does something that you think, this is, this is a fulfillment or partial fulfillment of a promise from God, then make sure you testify about it, whether that's in your connect community or connect group, whether it's sending out a WhatsApp message and just letting some people know, or whether it's coming here, as we've heard a, a few times, coming up on a Sunday and testifying to God. Often we, we kind of look at testimony and we think, oh, are people going to think I'm, g- I'm just bragging? Or what if someone else is in a similar situation and it just feels like I'm rubbing their, their nose in the dirt with it? I think we've got it the wrong way round if that's the way we look at it. See, if God, if, if, you, if, if your landlord comes to you and says, you've got two weeks and then you've got to get out of your house, and you go to God and you pray and say, Lord, help me out here, and then God moves, when you bring your testimony, two things happen. One, we can give God the glory for what he's done, and two, we can be filled with faith for this family over here that are struggling with the same issues, knowing that God is on the move, that God is hearing our prayers, Yeah? If you've been praying for your, um, for your mum or your dad to come to know Jesus for 20 years, 
you've been praying and you've been praying and suddenly they say, I'm, I'm joining on an Alpha course. Then great, testify about it. Tell everyone because it gives glo- glory to God and it builds our faith for what he's going to do. And the person here who's been praying the same prayer is, is filled with faith for it. So let's be people that on the journey of faith, we remember what God has promised us and we rejoice in it. The second challenge is that on the the journey of faith, we must refuse to retire. Prince Philip, (laughs) the Duke of Edinburgh, he's he's said that he's going to be stepping down from duties, public duties, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people are quite sad. He's part of the the furniture, he's there with the Queen, he's, he's always there, he's, he's, he's seen all the kings and queens come and go, he's just been there all the time. Some people I suspect are quite relieved maybe that he is going, maybe the, the Buckingham Palace press office, because <laughs> he had a, a, a good kind of habit of saying all the wrong things at all the right times, and uh, I actually, I scanned through I don't know, about a hundred of them. The only one I could find that I thought, this, this could work here. Was, uh, he went to a, he was talking to a group of uh, 13-year-old boys and he came to one of them, said, what do you want to be when you're older? And uh, the boy looked at him with just like longing in his eyes and said, I want to be an astronaut. And the prince went, don't be ridiculous, you're far too fat. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so anyway, <laughs> so he's not that great. Anyway, he's, um, he's going, and I've got a um, sneaky, su- there was, there's some worse ones, but um, I've got a sneaky suspicion that Abraham, in uh, Genesis 21, 22 to 24, I think he had one eye on retirement. You see, he had, he had had his son, he had got himself some land in a place called Beersheba, which is in Israel, I think, he had started being a blessing to other nations. He had a steady income. He had a well, which if you live in the desert and you owned a well, that's a pretty significant thing. You've got drinking stuff, but also you can farm and agriculture and there's lots of potential. He's got himself a well and he's planted a tree. If you wanted any proof that he's looking to retire, he's planted, he's started gardening. And uh, <laughs> that's not true. I've got, I've got a tree as well. Uh, um, but he's got, he's, got one, he's got one eye on retirement. And who can blame him, really? He's done everything God's asked him to do. He's left his home. He's spent years and years. He's older than every single person in this room. And he wants to retire. God doesn't want him to retire. And I want to say to us today, we never retire from the journey of faith. Put your hand up if you've retired. So we've got a few of us here. Come on, you've, you nearly have. <laughs> Just, I just want to say to you, please refuse to retire from the journey of faith. Enjoy your retirement. Enjoy the extra time it gives you. Enjoy the kind of different stage of life. But don't retire from the journey of faith. Because God has got so much more to use you for. There is so much more kingdom work for you to achieve between now and the day you meet your maker. So please refuse to retire. Let me give you three ways, if you've retired, that you can carry on on the journey of faith. First of all, you can pray. We know as, as a church, there was a group of old ladies that used to pray for years and years and years, and we really value what they put in. Even today, not everyone in this group is retired, 
But every Wednesday, a group of, of ladies meet and they pray and they pray and they pray. And one of the last functions most people lose is, is the kind of ability to pray. We can, you know, it might be that we stop eating and all of that kind of stuff, but we can carry on praying to God until the last moment. So don't stop praying. The second one is you can serve. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who is retired but continues to serve on a Sunday or um, places like Fab Fridays or Food Bank. I know it is vital that you guys are, are serving the church. It's, it's important and we want to we wanna encourage that. And if you're not serving, if you're retired and you're not serving, please come and talk to me afterwards. I bet I can find an amazing place for you to come and serve. <laughs> and then finally, and poss- possibly joint, most importantly, I don't know, is that you can teach. You can teach us. See, you've got a unique perspective on faith. See, for, for our generation, we've got a few stories of faith and then lots of theory. But for your generation, you've got loads of stories of faith and probably not very much theory. And you've got so much to teach us about how when, 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 when you were going through situations, this is how God um, dealt with you or this is how God helped you through it and then that can fill us with faith. I've got a great example of this. The other day we had a connect, what is it? Not community. Yeah, connect community. It was a community and Tom Still was uh, doing a, a talk on anxiety. We're going to three sites soon as a church and he, he did a talk on you know, when we feel anxious about going to free sites. And afterwards, some people were really beautifully honest. And uh, someone said, you know, I'm worried. I'm going to not see my friends as much. I'm not going to see family. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to miss people. It might not feel the same. And I'm leading the Rotherhive site. So I'm thinking, oh, man, I've got to say something like that will fill us with faith, something that will get us going, going something that will get people wanting to stand up and singing songs of victory. And uh, I was trying to think of what I could say, and thankfully, I didn't have to say anything, because John and Sue Wood said something, so I said something far better than I could ever say. They said, you know, as a church, we went through something like this 30 years ago, where, where the decision was made that this church, Drummond Road Baptist, were going to join with two other places, and there was f- we were full of anxiety. What if we don't get on with the people that we're going to be meeting with? What if our theology is different? And they said, but I wouldn't have changed it for the world because look what God did through that move. You see? And I wanted to stand up and started singing, start singing songs and at that moment. You can give us something that I can't and that the younger generation can't. So please, if you're old, refuse to retire from the journey of faith. But then I also want to talk to some people that um, may have taken early retirement if you're honest, you've got no intention of stopping working for 10, 20, 30 years. But if you're honest with yourself, you're happy with your spiritual state and you don't really want God moving you on from it. Perhaps very practically, as Pete was talking about earlier, really, you, you, you've, you've got your home, you're happy with your flat or your house. You, maybe you've got some family that you know, you're, you're pretty pleased with that. Income could always be a bit better, but that you know, that's fine. Maybe you've got a tree in the garden. And these are all good things, but please refuse to retire. Don't close your ears to God, because he might well want to do something with you. 
Keep your ears open. We've got a great example of this um, in, in Sharo and Lex. Sharo um, came to the youth group when he was about 16, 17 years ago. He gave his life to Jesus. He had come from a completely non-church background. Gave his life to Jesus. A few years later, got married. Got himself a great job. They both had really good jobs. Had two beautiful children. Had a house. It was a bit of a chaotic house, but he had a house. <laughs> it had a tree in the garden. <laughs> and then God spoke to him and said, I want you to move to Iraq which interestingly is, is where, um, uh, what's his name, Abraham came from in the first place. And, uh, and so they did it, and they're doing it, and they're living the journey of faith. And, I, and that's, that should be a, an excitement to us, and that should get us going. But also, I just feel, I felt as I was preparing today, I felt like there's some people who, actually, you came to London because God put a burning desire in your heart to see something happen. Or maybe, like me, you, you've always lived in London, but God's just given you a heart for the area. It's like a burning fire within you. And you, maybe it was like a, a particular group of people that, that God really caught your heart for. Or maybe it was a particular social kind of need that God put on your heart. And I felt like there might be some people that used to, when you think back, it was, it was what you, you cared about it so much. You would pray about it. You would talk about it. But over the years that kind of fire has kind of gone down in you. And other things have come up, good things, things like family, things like jobs. But what's happened is it's kind of like crowded out the call of God on your life to some degree. Now, I'm not saying that all of the stuff, all this stuff is bad stuff, but it can consume us so that we miss the vision of what God's got for our lives. And I felt like God just want to say to us today, rekindle some of those visions. If God put something in your heart years ago, maybe you got a bit despondent because it didn't happen in the kind of time frame you were expecting it to happen. But God would say, no, I put that on your heart. He wants to reaffirm that vision in you and to, to kind of stoke it up again. So let's not retire from the journey of faith. Just refuse to retire. And then fourth, uh, on the last one, I think I've got enough time. On the journey of faith, let's remain in relationship. Genesis 22. Um, I'm just going to tell the story um, and then I've only got one point that I want to give from it. It's the story of Abraham being asked by God to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. So he'd been in that land for a number of years and then suddenly he hears the voice of God. He, see, his ears were open. He heard the voice of God call him, Abraham. And Abraham says, yes, Lord, I'm listening. And God says, I want you to take your son, your only son who you love, Isaac, and go and sacrifice him in the region of Moriah, in the place that I will show you. So early the next morning, Abraham got up loaded his donkey. He took two servants and Isaac with him and they went on a journey for three days. It was about 50 miles but on rough terrain. And when they approached the place that God had called, uh, called him to, Abraham said to the servants, you wait here. Myself and the boy are going to go 
and do the sacrifice and we'll be back with you in a couple of days. Abraham took the fire, Isaac took the wood. As they walked along, Isaac said, I can see the fire and I know the wood, but where's, where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide. They carried on walking and they got to the place and they made an altar to the Lord. And then Abraham binds his son Isaac up and puts him on the altar. And then he takes a knife and he lifts it above his head. And he's about to strike down when he hears a voice that says, Do not lay a hand on the boy, God said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thickets there was a ram with its horns caught. So he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Then the Lord said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possessions of cities and enemies, and through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Now, I only want to make one point about this, but before I do that, I just want to put a little side note in. Some of you might be thinking, is God here? Is he advocating, like, um, child sacrifice? And I don't think he is. I really don't think he is. In fact, I think he's doing the opposite. But if you're kind of worried about this kind of ethical issue of why is God telling Abraham to sacrifice his son, please come and talk to me afterwards because I've got what I think is quite a good answer, but um, I haven't got time to give it now. (laughs) But, um, But the point I wanted to make from this was, why did God... Why, d- why did God ask Abraham to do such a hard thing right at the end of his life? See, Abraham had done everything God had asked him. Leave your home, okay, follow me. He lived his life in a tent. Do everything I've s- uh, I tell you to do. Abraham did it. So why at the end does God give him such a horrific test? And I think the answer is this. On the journey of faith, Our love for God can easily get overtaken by our love for the things that God gives us. Our life starts and it's like, maybe you remember it. The day you you came to know Jesus, Lord, I I am amazed by you. I'm in love with you. I'm in awe of you. I love, uh, maybe you remember a time, you loved spending time in the presence of God. You loved getting into his word and trying to understand what you're saying. You would listen to him. You would speak to him. There was a a strong relationship. But the thing is, over time, sometimes the things that God gives us, the good things that God gives us, start taking all our energies in a different way. And so we, you you know, our emotional energy, our time, our concentration goes on the good things that God has given us. And all of a sudden we realize we've neglected our relationship with God. And the most important thing to Abraham was Isaac because it represented the promise that God had given. And so God's question is, what's more important to you, Isaac? 
is it me, is it my love, if it, is it our relationship with me, or is it the things that I give you? And I think for us, the question has got to be, what is more important to us? Is it God, or is it the things that God gives us? And actually, I want to make sure I'm re- remaining in relationship with God. And to finish this whole thing, God doesn't primarily show us his love by the things that he gives us. A bit like Pete was saying earlier. Primarily, he doesn't. It's not by giving us all this stuff. And that's good stuff. The primary way that God shows his love for us is by the one he gave us. Jesus Christ, the son whom, in whom he was well pleased. He gave his son Jesus so that we could know relationship again with the Father. And so the point, the whole point of everything is not God give us this stuff, it's give me you, give us a relationship with you. And on the journey of faith, the most important thing we can hold on to is that it's about getting a relationship with God and maintaining a relationship with God and seeing many more people come to have a relationship with God. So we've come to the end Faith for the journey. On the journey of faith, let's be people that remember and rejoice. Bring your testimonies. Let God be glorified and let our faith be built up. Refuse to retire. God's got so much more to do with you. He's got so much more if you're willing to be used by him. And then finally, remain in relationship. Don't get so consumed about the things, the good things God gives you that you miss the main point which is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.